0: Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life Podcast, where we believe that life is a schoolhouse.
1: Totally. We're super dorks with a passion for sharing our love of homeschooling, homesteading, natural health care, plant medicines, natural childbirth, healthy eating, meditation, creative endeavors, overall self-sufficiency for the whole family.
0: Oh, and don't forget self-development and spirituality.
1: Oh, of course. Key players.
0: We hope you'll be inspired to do things you haven't, try things that could make your life better. And mostly, we want to encourage you to
1: never stop learning and let your life be a schoolhouse too. Hey everybody, I'm Hello. so excited to have you here. We have a big group here tonight and I'm thrilled. Everybody says they can see us and they can hear us, so we're out of the, out of the dark, I guess technically. Again, just so much response to this. Um, Before we get started, it will be about 45 minutes long. We'll kind of cut it off at 945, and then for 15 minutes we'll be here available for answering questions if there are still some questions. Um, I know that um, canning can be intimidating, and we're not just talking about canning. We're going to talk about sort of all the different ways that you can preserve food because canning is one option, and then there's a lot of other sort of options as well. So we'll hit a little bit on all of those, but look at Malia. She looks like the most the most prepared for the evening. <laughs> she has these shelves in her kitchen and dining area that make me jealous because look at how beautiful they look with all her canned goods on them. Um, but but yeah, so canning is, it's kind of the most intimidating way to, to preserve food. Maybe next to fermenting, I, I don't know, it's like, If you've never done it before, it can feel like totally foreign, but it's in your blood because look, people, our grandparents and their parents, they all can, they all preserve food. So this is something that once we start doing, it really comes back pretty naturally. So don't be intimidated for long. Go ahead and try. You will have failures as with every great thing in your life. You're going to do some things that don't work and you're going to be like, ah, that was a waste of time or effort or money or whatever. Um, But in the end, you're going to feel like it's totally worth your time, investment and learning um, and and just kind of embracing that learning curve. So, again, feel free to drop a line and say hi and where you're from. We would love to know where everybody's coming in from. We have a very um, diverse crowd and I'm excited about that. And the Q&A is open, um, so you can post questions in there if you want. Um, But wait a little bit maybe and just see if we hit on it before before you start flooding us with the Q&A. Um, because a lot of you shared questions ahead of time, so we already have those and are kind of prepared to answer them. Um, but I'm going to let, I, so I'm Lacey. I own The Schoolhouse Life. We are just committed to helping people get educated on self-sufficient issues and, and things. Um, Malia, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Malia.
0: I live in Greensboro. I've been canning since I can remember. Mm -hmm. because my grandmother and my father, we did it every year, and uh, my dad's considered himself retired now, and all he does is have us can and give it to him, (laughs) because he doesn't want to Oh, he's a
1: retired canner. (laughs) Yes,
0: he retired from canning, and we have five kids, and we try to garden, have chickens, bees, that's about all I know right now.
1: Very cool. Okay. All right. Jenny Brown, formerly known as the Canning Mama on her blog. I don't think she's been keeping up with that anymore, but she's so confident that she calls herself the Canning Mama.
2: <laughs> oh, I started that so long ago. So I'm Jenny. I do live in the mountains of Southwest Virginia. I have four kids, and I started canning with my mom when my mom learned how to can when I was a teenager. So uh, twenty plus years ago. Uh, We started canning applesauce and green beans and stuff like that from the garden when we moved to the mountains. And when I became an adult, I just started growing a garden every year and canning like crazy and uh, preserving from the orchards nearby and picking strawberries at strawberry farms and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's, that's, I just learned through trial and error for the most part. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's the key is sort
1: of just get some jars and like start doing it, right? Absolutely. Um, Okay, so we'll start with canning because I feel like that's the hot topic. Um, And I think the first question that most people were asking is what can you even can? So let's start and answer that question. Like, What are the best crops to can? And I'll just start because I have a few of like my favorite things to can. And then there are some things that I love to harvest and preserve, but I don't really like them canned. Um, So my favorite things, probably top canning things are corn. I love to can corn. I think it is the greatest thing in the world to pop open corn and just dump it in chili or something in the middle of winter. It tastes like summer. I also love to can peaches and applesauce and what else? Tomatoes. So those are the top, was that five things that we can in our house. What do you guys can the most of?
2: Uh, I would say number one is green beans. Uh, apples, applesauce for sure, because I live near a lot of orchards, so I have (laughs) access to lots of apples, Uh, different pickle products, tomato products, and jams. Pickles, that's a good one.
1: Pickles, because pickles you can do, they kind of cross over the fermentation line, so it's interesting, but yeah. Malia, what about you? We can see some of your stuff, we can kind of guess what's in those jars, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) what do Um, you think? So green beans, of course, Um, and then I love to do fire roasted tomatoes, so I really like to broil them before canning them. Brunswick stew, which is right up there. Yes,
1: you do can Brunswick stew. I love that Mm -hmm. because that's like a whole nother realm because I feel like meat can be especially intimidating to can. And there's definitely meat in Brunswick stew. And my dad loves to can venison. He swears it's like the best way to can venison because it comes out super soft. I have never done that personally. I've eaten it and I like it, but I've never done it personally. So keep going. Canning soups is like a big deal.
0: Grape juices to turn into jellies because I don't always have time to make the jelly when the grapes are ready. Peppers and pepper sauces. Salsa and spaghetti sauce. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. Pe- pickles. Of course, pickles. But those aren't up there. They're all gone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's funny. All right, so those are the top canning things. So now I think we should go through a few things that we don't like to can because I think it's important to kind of like some people were like, Can I can this? And I'm like, Oh no, that'd be gross.
2: So try it, squash.
1: Yeah, so like zucchini.
2: Don't
1: can zucchini, right? No. I I tried. Did you really? Oh, nasty. I just can't even imagine what that would be like on the other end, like when you open it. It'd be like mush. I've
0: canned squash and it turned out pretty well squash. other than the fact that we let it ripen too long. So the rind was really hard. And then you like oh. three, min- three months later <laughs> open up a jar and you try to eat it and it's just not edible cause the rind was way too hard.
1: Ah, so I actually love to do like pumpkin for sure I love to can. Um, and we'll can it, like, as pumpkin butter or just as pumpkin. But, yeah, that's one of my favorite things, too, to have, just because pumpkin goes good with almost everything. But, yeah, what else don't we can? Nothing potato-ish, no potatoes.
2: I've canned potatoes and venison stew.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Okay. But that's one of to do. you can can. Runs with so canning you potatoes. Can, can can
2: you can can, can yeah. most anything except squash and zucchini doesn't work that great. But, I mean, if you put it in a soup, it's not the end of the world. yeah yeah Yeah, you can can just about anything
1: (laughs) you can you can can
2: you can can (laughs) we should have
1: titled this webinar you can can (laughs) Uh um so the thing to remember is that with everything that you can there's sort of like a variable way of canning so we've got uh well correct me if i'm wrong i think we've got water bath canning right which just requires hot boiling water to cover the jar completely And then you have pressure canning. And am I missing anything? That's really it, right? Or you can do a water bath canning as the third option, which means it doesn't have to cover the jar. And that is more for like jams and jellies. So, okay, water bath canning. And this is where you guys, I'm relying on you because I rely on charts for this every time I can. I'm like, wait, what is it again? (laughs) But what falls in the category of water bath canning that you don't have to have a pressure canner
2: for? High acid foods okay uh, fruits you can water bath can jams you can water bath can uh, pickles anything that has a high level of acidity that it is either natural in the food such as fruits or that you've added into it the low acidity foods like vegetables and meats need to be pressure canned
1: okay so tomatoes for example
2: that's, that's high acidity right. so i personally water bath there is a little bit of controversy about that some people say that you can't uh, water bath can but if i'm doing just straight tomatoes without extra vegetables i definitely do it what
0: about you Malia? i water bath can all my tomatoes
1: me too
2: i ain't got
0: time to pressure can them right
1: <laughs> the pressure can takes longer you have to get the pressure cooker up to um up to the right temperature or pressure and then let it, you know, steam. I actually purchased the instant pot that can can, (laughs) but I've never used it for that because it's not big enough. Because if you're gonna can with a pressure canner, I feel like you have to do like twelve jars. (laughs) Or at least like it's gotta be full before I get that thing fully boiling and, and up to pressure and everything. With water bath canning, what I love is that you can really do two or three jars and it's not a big deal at all. So if you have a harvest of, you know, uh, five pounds of tomatoes you can quick and make some sauce with it or just can them as is um, and you don't have to pull out the pressure canner in fact I was gonna have it to show you but it's in the shed way up there and I just you know you know what it looks like a press a presto pressure canner is like an iconic American thing I think right and and mine came from a thrift store so don't like feel you have to buy a new one they're everywhere in thrift stores if you're interested in in finding stuff secondhand. So okay, so water bath. Explain the process of water bath canning for us, ladies.
2: Okay, so with water bath canning, you prepare what you are going to make. Like for example, let me think of let me think of something I water bath can. Applesauce is the number one thing that I water bath can. So I prepare my applesauce. I start with apples, I peel them, I cook them down. I run them through a food mill to puree them. Mm. Um, I don't usually add sweeteners. Sometimes I add cinnamon. So once you have your prepared food to go into your jar, then you you always want to wash your jars, make sure there are no nicks on the top of the rim um, and such like that. But once, whatever it is you're going to put in it, then you, you pack your jar within like a half inch to an inch, depending on what it is that you're canning. Mm-hmm. Um, you seal it down real tight and then you put it in a rack that's in your water bath canner most water bath canners hold seven jars and then you lower it into the water and you let the water come to a boil and cook it for as long as is recommended for me um to can uh seven quarts of applesauce in the mountains it takes 25 minutes to can it and then at that temperature boiling water right right? while it's simmering the whole time yeah okay so just to show you
1: some things really quick because she talked about putting the lid on this is a used lid you wouldn't want to use this lid you get these brand new and use new ones every time because this seal won't necessarily work a second time this red part is what causes the suction and what seals that can up so I, first of all, first recommendation is always get wide mouth jars. That's my personal choice. Never buy a small mouth jar. Unless you're getting little little guys, then it's okay. But my- Or you get them for free. Or, or
2: for yeah.
1: Free or <laughs> sometimes I just pass those on anyways. But so, so this is the ring that Jenny was talking about. The cool thing is once you've got it sealed to store, you can take this ring off and then use it again. So you don't need a ton of these, even though I probably have about a million and a half. But- Yeah, so these are the important pieces. They need to be, this needs to be brand new every time. This does not. It just holds this in place. And
2: then I It's actually safest to take that um, band off after it has sealed, because if for some reason the lid should come unsealed, which occasionally that happens, then you know that that jar is no good anymore. uh, Whereas if you leave the lid on, it can go, yeah, it can go through like a period of where it the food spoils and then it seals back. Mm-hmm. So if you keep that band off, it's really good.
1: And let's just address botulism really quick because I think that's the biggest fear for everyone when it comes to canning. Now, botulism is a scary thing, but for the most part, if you're cooking something out of a can, you're gonna cook the bot- botulism out. So if you're canning, like for example, corn, and you're, like, and you're worried about botulism or whatever, just, if you cook it, you really don't have to worry about botulism anymore it's when you're eating something raw that you need to really consider that. So definitely if you're gonna, if you're making something to eat raw, then really consider how you're canning it and make sure you're following the directions very thoroughly and that you can see, you know, the the can has popped open, the lid has a little dimple in it and the dimple will go away if it's been open and you won't hear a pop when it, when you, pull the lid off, and all of these different things. And of course, I don't want to eat food that's been open either. But botulism sounds so scary. I think it keeps a lot of people from actually canning. And really, the risk is only there when you're eating raw stuff. And for the most part, you know, we cook a lot of the things that we take out of cans. It, it's cooked afterwards, too. So
2: any words of wisdom on that, guys? I would say just whenever you open a can, if it smells funky, don't use it. Mm -hmm. you know, just throw it out. If it's a little dark on the top, you can scoop off the top. You don't have to, but that's just from the oxidation of the air, but Mm -hmm. scoop off the first quarter inch of it. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I have probably canned close to 10,000 items or more possibly, and have never had any problems with that.
1: Yeah. In fact, my grandma will open her canned applesauce, bring it up from the basement. And um, it's amazing. It's delicious. She adds about a pound of sugar for every quart of apples. Anyway, it's delicious, though. Of course, it's like dessert. And she will scoop off a layer of mold on her applesauce and we will still eat it because she's like, it's fine. (laughs) And we're all still here. So, I mean, I guess it's fine. (laughs) Malia, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, like Jenny said, uh, I can mine with the rings on and then I take the rings off. Mm-hmm. and let them all get dry and then I kind of put the rings on but very loosely mm-hmm. just to kind of protect me from like bumping the edges of it and possibly dislodging it mm-hmm. so you know I've had things like we opened up a thing of Brunswick stew that it didn't smell right and I was like okay it's time to we just throw it out like your nose is really the best indicator yeah. if something is bad if not you know totally. you're probably
1: fine yeah Another example of a tool you can use, these we've used a few times, and I like them because they're very reusable, but you get a seal to go with it, and I should have pulled that out, but I didn't. These are called tattler lids, and you can get the red seals, and you can replace those, and you can use this as a lid instead of getting these, these, which are more disposable. So if you're like really into reusing stuff over and over and over, that's a good, those are a a nice, good option, and they're a little, I don't know, have you guys ever
2: used tattler lids? I do, I have some. Yeah, they're handy, I like them. I do not have I don't have quite as good success with them sealing, so it them I exactly. use it on something that I'm not going to be heartbroken if it didn't seal, mm-hmm. uh, but I do like it too.
1: Just, let's talk about some other tools really quick. Like this is essential when you're canning. Why? Mainly because, I mean, you can use other funnels, but these are, this is like a specific canning funnel. So that means it just fits really nicely in the jar of a mason or the, the opening of a mason jar. And it keeps the lip of that jar clean, very clean when you're pouring whatever you're pouring in. And that is important because if there is anything on the lip of the mouth of the jar uh, that prevents that suction or that seal from um, happening, then that can be a problem. And the, really the worst case scenario is you realize the next day when your jars have cooled that they didn't, they didn't actually seal. And that can be pretty frustrating. <laughs> so that's what you eat first.
2: You stick it in the fridge and eat it. <laughs>
1: exactly and then this is another essential tool for canning that's called a jar lifter <laughs> jar lifter oh that's, great. Really that's fun jenny where's your jar lifter <laughs> um i'm not home
2: right now so it's oh, at home. <laughs> okay. all, right, all right
1: all right but yeah so look you have a hot water bath right going on and you don't want to reach in there to grab your jars out so this is the perfect size for any jar grabs it very securely and and you've got your jar out so that's an essential tool too if you're going to start canning and that really is it a big pot if you're going to do water bath which I would suggest starting with a water bath and, and trying a few things you need a giant uh, the, what do you have what is that
0: the lid I always heat up I always heat up my taps, and so you need this to get your hot taps out of the boiling water, so you don't burn your fingers. Which I've gotten them out without it because I've lost it. I don't know how many times the kids will take it and stick it to the fridge
1: because it's a magnet. Wait, Picks up the what? lids out of the hot water.
0: Oh. Oh, what?
1: You heat the lid. It's just a lid lifter.
0: Yeah, because you need to heat up that rubber a little bit to get it tacky and make it stick.
2: Well, see, I've never done that, so this is good to know. It just ensures, that gives you a better chance of a good seal to just have good. that hot lid with the tacky stuff, and yeah, okay. those are a okay. must. And Malia, mine is missing right now, too, and I have two of them, and they're both know, missing. Oh, <laughs> no, we lost them.
1: That's hilarious. I need it. It's on my list. And yes. yeah, Ta- Tanya, or Tanya, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name, Is saying um, Tatler Lids, is that was the name, correct? Very good. So back to fruit stuff. Fruit stuff that we preserve, that looks like jellies and jams. Um, you can make pie fillings, successful fruits that we have canned. We've canned cherries. I love canning cherries. We've canned peaches whole. We've canned peaches quartered and halved and as pie filling. What else have we canned? I've never canned blueberries, but I know you can. It's just we eat them too fast. So that's not a potential yeah. in our house. What it do you very do Very
2: You put them in the jar and you can them. That's it, okay. You don't cook them, you don't add anything, you pack the jar and you water bath can them and they create their own
1: juice. That's awesome and then when they come out it's just like, like a pie filling kind of texture
2: or? I usually use them for pancake topping but you can add them, add sugar and spices to it to make a pie, yes.
1: Okay. okay, very cool. So that's the thing that you really wanna keep in mind is what are you gonna do with this product after it's canned? Because I've also canned a lot of really stupid things. I've canned. <laughs> Like just because I have it, I'm like, oh yeah. What is, what have we I'm trying to think of some things that we pe- we can peaches whole because they this is actually really, really, really important. If you want to can peaches, make sure that you get free stone peaches, okay? Or you will drive yourself bonkers. Okay. Free stone means the pit inside the peaches just is free and it doesn't stick to the um, the pulp of the peach. The other kind is called what is it called stone? Stone. Cling. clingstone, and clingstone are delicious to eat right but they're really not great for canning and cutting the peach off of that stone so freestone peaches are great for canning but we got clingstone and I canned them whole because I couldn't I just couldn't fight with them anymore and I stuck like cloves and stuff in there and I bet they're actually amazing but I just it's like I see them there and it's not something that is appealing to me to eat at all so I don't know Do you guys have some examples of like canned things that you're like eh, that's not really yeah
2: <laughs> I have made um which I have actually never eaten by the way but I have made corn cob jelly and peach pit jelly oh
1: that reminds me we made watermelon rind jelly and it was terrible like so gross
2: <laughs> what a waste I just cannot even I can't bring myself to eat the corn cob jelly that I made I'm like why did I do this <laughs> yeah
1: So definitely, like, if you're going to go to all the trouble of canning something, like, taste it first. Like, have somebody else's watermelon rind jelly. See if it's worth it and you like it and then make it. Don't, oh, that was terrible. Okay, so how does everybody feel about canning? Let's hear what your thoughts are on canning. Are you excited to try canning? And, ladies, while we're waiting for some people to say something, what are your favorite resources for canning? Like, who do you turn to for your timing and, and whether you water bath? Yay, Malia's got the, the ball blue book. <laughs>
2: That's what I was going to say too, exactly.
1: <laughs> so uh, who else to turn to than the very manufacturer that we all rely on so heavily. So yeah, ball blue book is awesome. Um, and it has all the charts and everything that you would need to decide how long you're going to bathe things for, how what the pressure is that you need to get them to. Uh, if you're in an elevation, like Jenny's in the mountains, so she needs to do it a little bit differently than we need to do it. Here in the Piedmont, do you use fresh fruit when you can? I heard you should do it for potatoes.
2: Fresh fruit with potatoes? Oh, we use fresh fruit. Yeah, I mean, I use the freshest fruit or vegetables possible and oh, yeah. can them. Like I got I got eight gallons of strawberries uh, the day before yesterday, and they were made into strawberry jam yesterday morning. So they went from field to strawberry jam in less than 24 hours. The fresher the fruit, the better.
1: No, she meant fruit fresh, which I'm actually going to say is probably, uh, uh, and yeah, yeah, like, is it citric acid or something that just keeps yes. it from browning, probably, which you can do. I never have, but you can do, and it just will, it will keep the color of your fruit and whatever you're preserving, I'm pretty sure. Is that right? Do you use it, Malia?
0: I do not use it, and so this is how my peaches look. They're kind of brown. but we're okay with it. I try to put as little things in as possible. You know, some salt.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Not
0: for peaches, but you know, and we just water pack these too, so.
1: Okay, explain water pack.
0: So we fill, I I will usually kind of parboil my peaches a little bit Mm -hmm. and in the water, and then I pack them in and then add water up to the correct, I haven't done peaches in years, to the correct line, Mm -hmm. and that way they're in water like I've never done peaches to by themselves, you know, without water in it, but you need to get it up to a certain point so that it'll seal. So the jar will seal essentially.
1: And we part, like when you parboil the peach too, one of the reasons we do anyway is to get the skin comes off real easy. If you do that, you can get that skin off. And that's true for tomatoes too. Anything else? Okay. So saving zucchini and squash. I love to save zucchini, I shred it and I put it in the freezer because what I use zucchini most for after I've saved it is for zucchini bread. (laughs) and So I'll even put it in the measurements that I need for zucchini bread. So I think it's two cups in a bat, a Ziploc or whatever container you're gonna put in the freezer. I try to keep it as flat as possible in the freezer because it thaws easier when it comes out. And you can stack them really neatly in the freezer when you do it that way. So you can save it in tr- chunks for sure. And especially with other squashes, zucchini is so wet that it's it's not as good to use. Like when you take it, I've done this before because I was like, oh, this is so good sauteed. I chunk it and I, you know, butter fry it. But when you take it out of the freezer, it's very mushy and doesn't have the same structure that it had when it went into the freezer. So it's not going to cook like it did. It's very mushy. And so, you know, that doesn't matter for when I'm putting it in a bread, but it does matter if I'm putting it as a side next to our dinner. So it's definitely different. And if you threw it in a casserole, it might be okay, but it's still going to have a different texture. So, and and it feels more watery. I don't know how it gets more water when it's in the freezer than it has, you know, when it goes in, I don't know. But it's true for me with zucchini. I don't know. You guys, what do you think? about zucchini.
0: Yeah, I just shred it, stick it in the, freezer. Yeah,
1: stick in the freezer.
0: Vacuum seal it, throw it in the freezer.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, see I don't even I find it that's a great way to do it. What,
2: Jenny? I find, I find that it does not freeze as well as some things. For long-term storage, I would probably try to use it within about six months, mm-hmm. is what I have found. It does seem to be the Oh yeah, we always use it within fast six
1: fast. months. Yeah, yeah. It goes quick. I hope yeah. that answers that question. Squash, I feel like is a different animal. Squash, it depends on the squash. So for me, pumpkin freezes really, really well. I like pumpkin frozen. I like pumpkin in the can. I know that there's, it's actually one of the ones that people are, uh, it's controversial to can. People think that you need to pressure cook it. I have never pressure cooked it, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't. So it's one, it's one of the ones that's like on the line. Okay, let's talk about freezing too, because I have some fun tips for freezing that you guys probably do too, because Freezing can be a really great way. What I love about freezing is it actually with, with, withholds a lot more of the nutrition than canning does. When you can something, you're cooking it, it's getting hot, it's breaking down some of those, those enzymes and the, the nutrients and things that are in there, right? Just like when you cook it in real life. Now, freezing stuff does not do that. It, it holds a lot of the nutritional value that it goes in with which is great, right? Because we wanna have that in the middle of the winter or whenever we need it. So fruits and berries of all kinds go in our freezer as much as we can get our hands on when it's in season. And what that looks like for us is usually we'll go to the farmer's market a lot this time of year. Of course, we try to grow a lot too, but we're not to the point yet where we have enough blueberries on our property sustain my children through the year it's just we could have all the blueberries in the world i think we eat them all so we try to get locally grown or wild grown blueberries and and freeze those when they're ripe and not before so you don't want to can anything or freeze anything before you would want to actually eat it i don't know if there's an example of when you would can you guys think of an example of when you would want to do that
2: you really want to wait until it's and let me jump in right here um, because it it goes along with freezing and canning and everything another good resource that I like is pickyourown.org yes they it you you can go and go on there and enter in your zip code and it will tell you where there are farmers markets and pick your own fields Mm -hmm. and it also has really good resources on preserving the food as well
1: Exactly. Yeah, no, I love that site. Because if you're ever like, where can I go pick blueberries, just type in your zip code and it'll tell you all the local places, which is very cool. Okay, so freezing is really good. One thing I will recommend is freeze your fruit on a tray, spread out, stick it in your on a cookie sheet, freeze it, stick it in the freezer, let it freeze, then pull it back out again and stick it in your Ziploc bag and stick it back in your freezer or whatever container you're gonna use and stick it back in your freezer. Now what that does is it keeps it from uh, freezing as one solid mass, which can be really difficult to actually use for things like smoothies or whatever you're gonna use them for. So that's one trick that we rely on pretty heavily. With strawberries, I definitely recommend, especially if you're gonna use them a lot for um, smoothies, is what generally how we consume our frozen fruits, leave the leaves on, don't take them off, don't pull them, just leave them on and you're good to go and put them in the freezer. Once they're frozen, bring them out, put them in a Ziploc and then stick them back in. That's my best tip when it comes to freezing. Do you guys have any other good tips when it comes to freezing?
0: I use jars a lot for freezing. Like I use my canning jars Mm -hmm. because I freeze a lot of soups when we have like enough soup left over that it's like too much for maybe another whole meal, Mm. but not enough to can. So I'll just throw it in a wide mouth jar up to the freeze line. If it's got it labeled and then freeze my jar so it's a more reusable thing as opposed to using like Ziploc bags and stuff like that, that we don't What's save. Not all the jars have a freeze line. Oh, okay, the freeze so line. this one. This jar has a line and it says for freezing, but it's right here where my finger is. But this is just a wide mouth pint. I don't know if they have, I don't think they have a freeze line on the quartz, And because the quartz have the shoulder, it might not always be a good idea to do that. I've frozen like like bananas or, you know, things that are not like going to expand that much. Nothing with a liquid in it, but, you know, just oatmeal or bananas or whatever I want to throw in the freezer. I often just use my jars too, instead of trying to... I try not to buy many Ziplocs. Is the point? Yeah,
1: yeah, we do too. And I will say, frozen fruit is my like one major exception. I like gallon bags for frozen fruit, but I wish I could find a good alternative. So if you can think of one, tell me.
2: But yeah, and if you are freezing, if you're freezing in Ziploc bags, a t- tip that I found that makes it kind of like you're vacuum sealing it is fill up a dishpan or your sink with water, fill up your Ziploc bag with the food that you're going to put into it. And then with the top of it open, submerge the bag into the sink or the dishpan of water. It forces all of the air out and then you have just the top of the bag left. You seal it with it completely submerged and you pull it out of the water and it is vacuum sealed.
1: (gasps) My mind is blown. That's
2: incredible. I had no idea. I love that. Okay, totally
1: doing that. And there also are food saver devices that you can get that suction out all the stuff. So if you want to, you can invest in those. I feel like I'm never that happy with them when I use them. I'm always like a little bit annoyed. It's kind of like using the house printer. Like 60% of the time it works, and 40% of the time I want to throw it out the window. So if you want to, you can. Some people really love food preservers. So yeah, (laughs) Earthquake earthquake in California. Oh, no, I thought that's where she was from. I'm like, where's Earthquake, California? (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Bye, Lisa. I hope everything's okay. I can't fit enough food in food bags that you heat seal. Yeah. Definitely. I, I struggle with that too. Like I'll find myself like, I think I overfilled this one again. How did I do that? So I don't know. I'm just,
0: that's why I buy you buy the roll of bags and cut them and steal them.
1: Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> some people love them. What are some other ways to, I feel like that's a lot of really great freezer tips. So let's move on to just a few other great ways to, to store food. And, and some of the reasons that I love these is that they aren't reliant on electricity and they're not reliant on, which actually electricity is the big one because if your freezer goes out and all your canned goods are in there, you're gonna be in trouble, right? It's literally the reason I have a generator. Yes, Patty guessed it, dehydrated foods. Okay, I think dehydrating is amazing and I am trying to learn more and more of it. We've done a lot with herbs. We've dehydrated a lot of herbs, which is just drying herbs, right? And there's lots of easy ways you can do that. You can make a bundle and hang it upside down and let that dry and then put it in your jars. Super easy, straight from the garden. It is so cool to start cooking with just the herbs that you grew in your garden. It's a really neat feeling to not have to buy little jars of oregano every time you go to the grocery store, right? So definitely drying herbs is a really great thing some of my favorites to have on hand um, we grow a lot of thyme dill oregano i mentioned parsley is another really good one mint what other herbs you guys grow then things like lemon balm there's more medicinal herbs that you can grow and dry do you guys dry herbs dry herbs
2: some um, i love, my favorite thing to dry are apples and strawberries mm, so how do you do that i have an apple peeler core slicer if you're going to get into food processing buy one Amen. Um,
1: I see these at thrift stores all the time. All the time. I think I had three at one point because
2: I would just buy them every time yeah, I saw them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you you just, you stick the apple on it and you turn it in 30 second, no, 10 seconds later, you have a completely peeled, poured and sliced apple. Mm-hmm. I cut it in half sometimes I will dip it in like a lemon juice and on guard essential oil mixture and then freeze it sometimes I'll sprinkle it with a little bit of cinnamon most of the time I just do it plain they are going to brown but I don't care and then I just will dehydrate apples for days mm. they're such amazing snacks and the thing about it is it's a good thing and a bad thing is you can take like a bushel of apples and fit it into one gallon bag. So it's sad at one point. It's like where did <laughs> it all go? It's all gone. You can you can store so much yeah. fruit in such a small amount of space or whatever it is you're. And uh, you can
1: rehydrate food. them later. I've never done that, but right. you can rehydrate and use it like as as if it was a r- fresh apple. And people can right. do that with pies and that kind. Of, I mean, we don't. We eat most of our dried fruit. Like if we, yeah, fruit,
2: it's we don't good. Just
1: eat it, right? But but yeah, we actually have an oven that I bought specifically. I almost would have cursed it if I hadn't been able to fix it a couple of weeks ago. We fixed it though. And now it still works. So, but it has a dehydrator feature, which I think only Jen Air does this. I paid extra for this oven because it has a, a dehydrator feature. But everyone swears by the Excalibur is the dehydrator that everyone loves the most. It's like round and has like six or seven layers. But there's lots of different dehydrators out there. When you're talking about dehydrating, you know, if you live in a really dry climate, we live in a very humid climate. So I cannot take, like we have a a hanger that we can use at some times of year that just hangs and lets things dry in it. And it's like net, so it doesn't let bugs get in. But in our climate, we cannot use that throughout the whole year because stuff just molds and gets gross so for most dehydrating purposes we use an actual dehydrator
2: and what somebody just asked about using air for dehydrating when i was a teenager and thought i was laura Ingalls, i dehydrated apples between two window screens i I laid them out on the window screen on a a set of saw bucks and then i put another screen on top of it and i clamped it together so they couldn't get all twisty and stuff and it did work. It worked well. I would bring it in at night so it didn't get dew on it. And then I would set it back out in the day until they were pliable. But they're more like apple leather. But another t- another thing that I've heard people doing is using their vehicles, like using screens or pans or something. And yes, I've heard in that the too. Vehicle. Yes. The vehicle gets really hot and it helps to dehydrate it faster I've never tried that but I have done open air I've done oven and I've used a dehydrator
1: Mm -hmm. and my kid uh, one of my kids made a solar oven that I'm eager to try because she put it out when she made it was a few months ago and it got real hot real fast and was so easy to make um so solar oven might be a really good you can make it out of a pizza box and have like the perfect dehydrating machine for the sun Um, but low, low on the oven will sometimes often work too, if you keep your eye on it. But Jenny mentioned fruit leathers and that actually is one of my favorite things to do is I'll take like applesauce, like before we've canned it and just spread it out on a cookie sheet on this, like a silicone or on freezer paper or on, um, Parchment paper and then stick it in the oven and dehydrate that, and that makes like this really nice fruit leather that my kids love to eat. So, um, this is especially good to do with fruit that's overripe. If you get some like strawberries that get just a little past, like you don't want to eat them straight, then you can make a nice fruit leather by just cooking them down a little bit and spreading them out like that on a pan, and bada bing, bada boom. I brought over, I made these last week. These are mulberries. What I love about dehydrating is all you have to do is pick it, throw it on a tray, and stick it in the oven. So we picked a ton of mulberries last week, threw them on a tray, stuck them in the oven, and literally forgot about them until the next day. And we're like, oh, look, they're ready. So that little dried fruit is a mulberry and easy, easy. And now they can be used in, if I made like bread with it or muffins or just straight out of the jar. That's a really thing, a really easy thing to do with berries, little berries like that for sure. Oh, meat, dehydrating meat to make jerky is a really smart way to preserve meat. In fact, it's probably the most, what what people have done for the longest amount of time to preserve their meat next to salting it, which is sort of the same idea really, you're just sucking the moisture out with salt. So dehydrating meat and making jerky is one of our favorite things to do too. If you've never done that, you should totally do it because it's really satisfying to marinate your meat in some, some seasoning and then dehydrate it and it just makes the most amazing jerky. Do you guys have any tips or tricks about making jerky?
2: I've made it some but I'm not a pro at it so not really just try to use natural ingredients don't use MSG's and stuff mm-hmm. like that try to make your own um rub instead of just buying the prepackaged stuff because it's likely to have some y- yucky ingredients in it yeah
1: patty says hubby is a trucker can't keep enough jerky yeah i always laugh at the size that you can buy jerky in bags at the store i'm like who this is for like half a snack it's not enough jerky and it's so expensive too so making your own can be really good especially if you're a hunter or if you have a farm so we've done it with sheep and goats because that's we have our homestead and that's what we have on it so it can be really satisfying okay dehydrating what else to preserve storing I think we should talk about that just a little bit storing vegetables can be tricky like onions potatoes and squashes and sweet potatoes and I honestly feel like I still have a little bit to learn here obviously a root cellar is maybe the best idea for storing these things without without canning them but what do you guys think about storing do you have a good method of storing your potatoes and and everything when you have a lot of them I need a root cellar
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean
0: it's really about the root cellar because yeah. growing up in the mountains we always like had houses built into the hills mm-hmm. and so you always usually had a good root cellar so my grandmother was huge root cellar with like three freezers in it shelves like this that line the whole thing with can jars and then in the floor there would be like bushels and bushels of apples and potatoes and they like they stayed good all winter long yeah they yeah. would take you right up into summer and it would be just fine and, and I feel like the key was the root cellar. I have never been able to replicate that once I got a mountain.
1: Yeah, my grandma is the same. She's up in north Northwestern Pennsylvania and she just goes down and gets what she needs and comes back up into her. It's not even really a root cellar, it's just her cellar. <laughs> I'm thinking we can replicate that in our crawl space. But yeah, I think root cellaring is such a smart idea. It's such a good way to, to be able to get stuff when it's in season or grow your own potatoes and have a place to stick them with. Cause I mean, when they go bad, it's true when you, when in one bad apple just will ruin a whole bunch. So you really do want to um, make sure that you have a good place to store them. I know that I talked to an old timer about sweet potatoes and there was like this magic way of like laying them in hay, just the right way. And like hay between um, all the sweet potatoes to make sure that they would last through the year. And I can't, I'm just, I can't tell you much more than that about it, but it sounds like something I need to in-person workshop on. Okay, good question. How long do canned goods usually last? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't ask me. A really long time. Really I never time. myself
1: to throw away canned goods, so
2: yeah. I made an apple crisp for a group of ladies that were not very homesteading, sustainable type of mindset, and they were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Can we have the recipe? It's just, just so delicious, and I said, well, I can't really give you the recipe because I made this apple pie filling nine years ago and I canned it and I don't know what I did, but it's really good, isn't it? So That was 10 years old. Oh my gosh, yes, I love that. Yes, he does not recommend that, but you know, anyway, yeah, I will eat 10 year old food. Without there wondering. are charts,
1: there are things. I mean, if you pay attention to whether it's still sealed or not, for the most part, you're, you are going to be fine. Malia, what are you showing us? So this that came from my grandmother's years. house
0: and it was canned in 1981. And we have eaten them before. This is my last one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is my last jar from like early 80s. And so I've just saved it because I just oh. missed my grandmother. And you know, and then this jar, you can read the label, it says 04 And they're still fine. they're still sealed. Nothing looks gross inside, nothing's molding, mm-hmm. nothing has turned brown. And you know, this jar is from 1981.
1: <laughs> so if you're looking for longevity, canning is the way to go. Freezer stuff will not last for 20 years, 30 years, or almost 40 years. So <laughs> that is definitely the right thing to do. If you want to keep stuff forever question. Okay. How to store things on the NC co- coast. Yeah, Sarah, definitely. It can be really tricky in our humid, envir- humid environment. If you have a pantry, that's a dark space a brown paper bag can be a really great way. Actually, is that a lie? Something dark. You just want to keep them so they feel like they're in the ground is really kind of my best description of how to keep this stuff as fresh as you possibly can for a long time. Um, So out of direct sunlight, out of humidity, in a controlled like temperature environment is really, those are the top three things that you need to consider. And that is why a root cellar works because root cellars, stay at that below ground temperature almost con- constantly. It's like 55 degrees or something all year round. And that's why a root cellar works.
0: Perfect for cheese. <laughs> for root cheese. cellars. For cheese. If only so that's I had a whole
1: a- other class preserving dairy in a whole other class. Fermenting, we do plan to do like a fermenting class um, in the future, a webinar in the future. So stay in touch with us. If you haven't joined our Facebook community, I'm going to tell you to just go ahead and do that. We have a lot of fun in there and we do have upcoming things. There are other ways to preserve. You can make meads, you can make ferments, you can make beer, you can make juices and lots of other things. So we want to continue this conversation with you guys. My friend just boiled her mason jar after cooking down bushels of tomatoes, no skins added salt, poured them into each boiled jar, and the lid sealed when they were done. Is that fine? Yeah, I mean, if the jar is sealed, the jar is sealed. So, you
2: know, it's, there's, yes, Jenny, what? But I do that with jam only, because it's a high acid content and a high sugar content. It may work with tomatoes and stuff like that, but it's not just a matter of sealing, it's a matter of making sure that any of the enzymes that are going to cause botulism is killed. Mm-hmm. which is why you pressure can low acid foods. You have to get it to that high heat and for that length of time to make sure that there's nothing in there that's going to grow after right. the fact. So you could put hot chicken in a jar and it's going to seal because the jar seals as it cools. So just because the jar seal doesn't necessarily mean it's safe. I know that the old timers do that with tomatoes. I probably wouldn't, but you know, most, People don't do jam that way either. So I think that's just what your comfort level is. But there is definitely something to going through the heat and pressure process to make sure that the food is going to preserve. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. Good point. What, somebody asked about storing canned goods. And I think that's a really good question. So I, in my kitchen, I used to keep my canned goods on because we didn't have a lot of storage. So I had a space above my cabinets and I would keep them up there and they looked pretty and they were, you know, on display. And my grandma came over and she was like, well, I would never do that. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay, because it's in, it's where the hot part of the, the air rises up there. It gets hotter up there. The temperature kind of fluctuates more up there and so you know her argument was that you should keep it in a more temperature controlled environment so that's really what you want to do you don't want your cans to be experiencing extreme changes in temperature so you wouldn't want to keep them in a shed you know you, you want to keep them in your pantry you want to keep them on shelves inside out of out of the elements for sure and definitely out of sunlight because it will get through the jar the glass and, and break down your, your your canned goods and heat them up and all kinds of do we need to hot bath everything for 25 minutes or are there different foods, different amounts of time? Yes. So you're just going to want to look for one of those charts that tells you how long you need to do each thing. And a lot of times if you're using a recipe, it'll tell you. So if you're making jelly, then it'll tell you. Oh, Jenny, already answered you. Sorry. Jenny.
0: And one tip about, cause we didn't really talk about pressure canners, but you can, if you pick up a pressure canner at a, like a thrift store, it's a really good idea to take it to like, your local ag center and get them to check the pressure on it because the dial may not always read correct and then you can like you don't need to change it but you can know in your head like I know mine's off by about three to three points or three you know psi or whatever so I just adjusted in my head when I'm cooking because it was given to me from my grandmother and it's really old and it's been through things so it's a really great resource they'll check it for free I know I've done it in Alamance County.
1: The, like at the ext- extensions office is that what you're saying mm-hmm. okay yep. yeah every county has one of those okay one other thing I was going to and- give you a tip on tomatoes because tomatoes you know some are some come in like for a while like we'll have a month or two of tomatoes right so for us if we don't get all our tomatoes in one time what I'll do is I'll actually just kind of keep a crock pot or the instant pot sort of running on low almost all the time and then every couple of days I'll can what's in there That trick really works for me. I don't know. Not everyone is as comfortable with that as I am, but it's, I've actually made some really delicious tomato sauce that way because it will get kind of um, charred in some areas and fruitier in other areas, just depending on how long it's cooked and all of that. So that's one of my favorite tips for tomato season. Uh, Jenny, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, just going back to pressure canners, um, most general stores, and of course you can find them online, have like new seals and and parts. Right. uh, So that you can replace those as needed. You don't have to replace the whole canner when it doesn't seal anymore. And keep your seals on hand because it really stinks when you're trying to bring your green beans up to pressure and they won't come up to pressure because your seal's gone
1: bad. Oh, yes. And you have your jar and with your stuff in there.
2: Each new
0: seal, I take the seal off and I try to make sure I oil it really well so that it'll it'll stick better. And Ace Hardware sells them too. I've gotten many a seals from Ace Hardware.
1: Yeah, you know, Ace is a really good place to get your, um, to get your canning supplies. I love going there. They have the best, best variety of anywhere. So I don't know if that's just our local Ace or if that's true across the board, but I do, I do really like Ace for canning supplies.
2: You can look up Red Hill General Store online. Red Hill General Store in Hillsville, Virginia. Uh, you can buy everything from their store online, but they are the owners of All American Canner, which is the gold standard for canners. And you can also get basically any part you would ever need for Presto, Mirror, Miro, and All American Canners from there. Very cool put them on sale I have my eye on one if, if they ever put them on sale okay I'll let you know <laughs> this is one book I
1: wanted to show you it's called drink the harvest which is I've really liked it the recipes in here are really fun and it's just a different way to kind of especially right now it's kind of berry season right now a different way to kind of eat What you what you make and bottle it or drink it or whatever. It's just a new and different way, and it does tell you how to can some things too, so you can make some drinks and can them and have them later, which I think is fun because there aren't a lot of drink recipe canning recipes out there, and I really like this one. So, just another idea of things that you can do. I mean, it's really kind of the sky's the limit, and and I think that what's happening right now is we're all kind of like, what is it that our grandparents did again? It must have worked for them, so let's try that again, and so we're kind of tapping into those olden day ways and um it's really fun so i'm excited you guys all joined us on this call we have a few more minutes we can take a few more questions but that was a lot of information and i feel like with between the three of us we could probably talk the rest of the night (laughs) so i'm going to cut it off there and if you have questions we'll linger for a little bit and you can and you can go ahead and ask vl i'm glad you were here i don't know what vl stands for but i'm
2: glad you came (laughs) hey one other resource i'll say as we're closing off um if you're making jam and you use pectin I love Pomona natural yes. bulk pectin. Yes,
1: amen, Pomona the pectin is the best.
2: Yes, you buy it by the pound, it's not very cheap, but you use a fraction of the amount that you use with the other regular standard pectin.
1: And Jenny, where, can you put a link for that general store? Somebody's asking for that.
2: Yeah, I don't know how to do that. Uh, look up Red Hill General Store, Hillsville, Virginia. Red Hill, okay store, And
1: And it's Pomona pectin or Pomona's maybe. I can't remember if it's Pomona's or not, but it's also know, a low, without an R,
2: P-O-M-O-N-A,
1: I think. Yeah, I think I wrote it in there, right? And it's a low sugar one too, right? Pectin. Yes. Yeah. Because some pectins will require more sugar. And I will warn you with jelly. This is something my mom did teach me. You cannot... Jelly, when you make jam and jelly, it looks like a lot of sugar. You use a lot of sugar, and you can't just cut it in half because you're like, oh, I don't need it to be so sweet. It has to use the right amount of sugar or it will not work. So um, and (laughs) uh, if you've ever read Little Women, when your jelly doesn't work, it can be really like almost a detriment to your marriage. (laughs) Uh, Then
2: you just have pancake popping.
1: That's right. You have to figure out something else to do with your, with your, um, with your jelly that isn't gelling. So, um, that can be really frustrating. Thank you, Natasha. She posted that link for Red Hill General Store, which is (laughs) redhillgeneralstore.com. Perfect. Okay. Join our group. It is on Facebook. It is the Schoolhouse Life with Lacey and Drew. My husband is Drew and he does a lot of the webinars with us. Um, yeah, please join that group. You should have gotten an email about it if you registered for this. So there should be a link in that email. Um, if not just search for it on Facebook. Um, and I can type the link to facebook.com. Jenny and Malia, are there any good ways for people to connect with you?
2: Find me. I'm Jenny Logan Brown on Facebook. You are <laughs> wellness advocate at gmail.com.
1: What is your Instagram? Isn't it Joy- Joyful Jenny? joyfully jenny yes Dots. anything like that
2: yeah just joyfully jenny malia what about you? To, yeah. i
0: think mine's just malia prince or malia patterson print to look at it i have no idea these
1: ladies are super active on instagram i don't know how do you even look you can send them a message anyway
0: malia, malia. it's malia prince and i'm in the group so you know i'll i answer questions in the group when i know the answer <laughs>
1: Yes, that's right. So join the group because then you'll have all the experts. There you go. Okay. Well, you guys are still on here. No one is jumping off the call. So people are like, I want to keep going. <laughs> we should probably just do this once a week. Good. Gosh, I thought it was helpful. That's good. I'm excited. Okay. And if you guys have any feedback for us, let us know. Sarah says once a week. It's the Jenny Lacey Malia show.
0: <laughs> we got oh, lots man. of money. We can talk about it forever
1: we could maybe we could oh yeah we just barely
2: scratched the surface
1: <laughs> next time we can you didn't even a- break oh, down cool. pressure caning. no we didn't we did that's not. right that would have taken the whole hour
0: that's the most intimidating yes, the most part <laughs> that's
1: it. yeah can, pressure canning is the most intimidating thing for sure i think because you feel like if you're not used to pressure cooking it feels like the thing is going to explode <laughs> you're, And then your kitchen will be demolished. But I've never, ever heard of anyone exploding their kitchen.
2: Well, in newer canners these days, I mean, if you're using your grandma's canner, there might be a chance of that. But the newer canners these days have like three and four safety steps. So, I mean, it's impossible at this point because they've got all these little valves that come out to release the pressure and stuff like that. So no more explosions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people Not have mine. been pressure for a long time.
2: <laughs> Here's Malia. He's <laughs> <You> still <laughs> using grandma's canner. That's why I want a new canner.
0: And I've got my eye on the um 14 quart where you double stack the seven quarts. Oh, because oh yeah. Because when yeah. season and green bean season comes in, because I go to the local farm and buy like 10 bushels at a time yeah. to can and build yeah. this whole four panel wall to get us through the season. It. Yeah. It would go a lot faster if I could put 14 quarts in that canner.
1: Yes, we do that Absolutely. with sweet corn. Yeah, and it'll take like four days because you can only put so much in at a time. And get one of those bags of sweet corn. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Oh, I, I always, always running two canners. canners. Yeah, Sarah, I think that's a good idea. We should, how to not. All I know is so far I have not done it. So I'm not sure if.
0: <laughs> Just keep your eye on the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: the pressure. Don't
0: walk away from it. You have to babysit a pressure canner. You like don't. I pull up a chair, and I remember sitting with my grandmother, and we just watched the needle, and Which, we just kept an eye on. Pressure
1: cooking—it's only like seven minutes, right? It's not. I mean, what's the longest pressure
2: cooking? No, a no. hundred and twenty no. minutes no. for Brunswick no. stew. 90. Yeah, oh,
1: for
0: stew,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It yeah. takes forever. That's fine. I need a bigger canner when I make. 20 gallons of stew I need a bigger can.
1: Yeah you do oh my gosh yeah you need that just tell Sean he'll get you that. (laughs)
0: It's been on my Amazon wish list for who knows how long why don't you get Drew to talk to him about buying things on Amazon wish lists and maybe I'll get it.
2: I'll tell him I'll put a bug
1: in his ear. (laughs) Um, Yeah so use your pressure canner, Tanya you you have to use it or it won't work. Start with water baths, though. Like, get comfortable with water bath canning, and then then move into pressure canning. I feel like that's a really good step. If you haven't done water bathing, try it. Do that. It's very, like, I don't know. I feel like (laughs) dipping your toes in, dipping your cans in, and then you can (laughs) fully submerge.
2: (laughs) Malia, is that lard in your little half pint jars next to your tomatoes? It is. I just rendered it a couple of
0: weeks ago.
1: Nice.
0: That I did not can. I just let the heat seal the jar up because it's okay.
1: Do you have to seal lard? I didn't think you had to. It'll
0: go well, I mean, it will go rancid. Will it? Yeah, it will. But we use it fast enough. It's great for seasoning cans, making cornbread, all that kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And i stick mine in the freezer.
1: I'll let it seal in the
2: freezer.
1: Oh, put it in your freezer. Yeah, that works. Malia's got honey back there. I will mention the botulism honey thing is only true of store-bought honey. You can't get, you wouldn't get botulism on like a local honey beekeeper's honey Um, because they do pasteurize honey to jar to can it. And when they do that, if the seal breaks or doesn't seal, then you can get botulism. But it doesn't grow on Perfectly balanced, antibacterial, antifungal honey. So can you understand what Tanya said?
0: Okay, I dip my cans in to get started?
1: She's talking about the joke that I made about dipping your cans in instead of dipping your toes in.
0: Oh Oh, is that I ain't skirt?
1: I'm scared.
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's funny. you don't
1: be scared or be scared and do it anyway that's my motto be scared but don't let it stop you from actually doing
0: it <laughs> yeah when you get too confident that's when yeah. your kitchen's gonna explode. a healthy
1: fear is good right we want to have respect for our canners <laughs> anyway if your canner starts rock rocking get out of the house <laughs> yeah all right slap happy it's 10 07 i am so excited about our call it was really fun and i think people are left with lots and lots of good ideas so i hope you all start preserving and you're feeling more self-sufficient and you just feel equipped to do the thing so do the thing we'll see y'all soon thank you guys bye thank you